Um, yeah, hi, it's nice to hear your voice. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> super cool. <laughs> I'm a huge fan. <laughs> oh, same, yeah. Uh, it's It's been really cool to kind of like see, you know, just to see somebody else doing really cool stuff and kind of have an appreciation. Uh, it's really, you know, like a mutual appreciation is really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, Give me, give me one second. I don't want to, I'm not sure be rude. I just want to message him. Oh, I'm here. Oh, you are. Cool. All right. I think, I, I think I accidentally abandoned you on that other call to come over here. But oh, we're all okay. in. We got three of us here and I've, and it's recording. Is everybody in? Everybody's uh, in, yeah. I feel like, uh, uh, Pump up the volume where it's like I got my blackjack gum here and I got that feeling that familiar feeling that something rank is going down <laughs> What do you open up to? Amelia, what have you been up to? Oh, what have I been up to? Uh, just Shabbat Shabbating <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you just had Hanukkah um, Sure, sure did, uh, yeah. Is it always still in Hanukkah or just ended? Just ended. ended. Just ended. Two, two days ago. Um, I've completely lost track of like what day it is. And so. we just watched the finale of The Mandalorian. Oh boy. I asked my friend if I could skip to the last episode and he said absolutely not. He forbids it. Hmm. So, I don't know. Yeah, I see a lot of people online saying that it's great, but I, I haven't watched any of it. I haven't, I, think I've, I haven't seen a Star Wars anything and for a long time so rogue one was pretty good i like that's that. what i hear that's what i hear yeah um and will's videos are, are really good uh so uh, let's talk about the movie what did you think alan no oh, i thought it was really cool um i so i've never seen uh jeff who lives at home uh, i'd never seen the movie before oh wow um, really yeah i thought that, that was like canon for the sync community well, no I mistake. see. I see why you would think like that's that was definitely like a surprise for me. I, I don't know why I associated that movie. I like the title Jeff Who Lives at Home. I in my mind, for some reason, I associated with what I think is a movie called Lars and the Real Girl. Oh my god! Totally. <laughs> right. Which I almost said. I almost said the other night when we were having a conversation about it, but I didn't. I didn't say it. Yeah, because it's the title of it, or. Um, uh, we we need to talk about Kevin mm, mm-hmm. because there's Ke- Kevin is the other guy in the movie that he's gets oh, the name at the beginning in the phone call, the so he's like chasing Kevin. Bars and the real girl. I just want to see what the movie poster for that looks like. Oh my god, <laughs> I saw that in the theater. Okay, yeah, it's kind of like a similar. Again, I've never seen this movie either, but it just kind of has like a similar look to it like the from like the poster and they're like sure. oh here's this like awkward guy who's like seems awkward but actually he's like really has some insightful things if we listen to his awkward wife like that kind right. of stick and uh anyway i've never seen either of these movies but just in my mind there was some sort of correlation there right so i didn't know what i was going in for i was expecting something like this uh, instead, I got Jeff Who Was at Home, which really is, I could see why it, you would say it's a sync, it's a really sync-specific um, film. Like, it's, that seems to be what it is about. Is like Yeah, it's a movie a, about synchronicity. Absolutely. Yeah. With, with Radon Chong at that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
What year did this come out? Uh, was it 2010, maybe? Well, I don't know. No, 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 no. I could be wrong. Yeah, I think 2010. I don't know. You picked it because it came out the same time as the album, right? So you. Oh, I take it back. It's 2012. Yeah. It came, it came it came out uh March 17th 2012 and and her album came out March 16th 2012. Gotcha. Okay. Um I think or was it 15th and it was 16th? I can't remember. But anyway, it was the next day, whatever the case, in in March of 2012. I think it was the Ides of March. It, yeah, my it was, album came yeah. out on the Ides of March and the Jeff who lives at home came out the day after. Right. There we go. Gotcha. So then when I interviewed Radon Chong, it was a year later. I just pulled it up. I interviewed her in May of 2013. I wish I had known about this movie. I would have asked her about it. Well, I just sent her a link to what we did, and she said, wow, thank you. Oh, Radon Chong? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So now I just need to get it to Susan Sarandon, but we're going to we're gonna have to work that out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Radon Chong was super cool. So something interesting, just to jump right into some some sync stuff. Uh, remember that video that Jay Coatsa did about Radon Chong? Yes, uh, I'm, re- uh, I'm trying so, to remember the specifics. I know, just, I know you just Quest for Fire in there, right? Uh, so it's a, it's a fire theme, and it's a yeah. Phoenix theme. Phoenix, and it's something okay. it's something that runs through her career that he documents, mm-hmm. and you know it starts out with the sound of music, you know doe a deer a female deer ray a drop of golden sun and then her title at the beginning of what the what arnold schwarzenegger movie is that some arnold schwarzenegger commando yeah maybe and he's feeding a, a doe in the first scene during mm-hmm. her credit so you see her credit over the deer and so it's like ray and doe um but uh what's interesting is that there's this whole fire theme with her that Jake Coates had documented. Well, if you watch the sync, it's all water. There is a water theme in both the album and the film that's like heavy. I mean, the album's called High Tide. There's mm-hmm. numerous water references throughout, and the timing sometimes will be impeccable with what is is specifically going on. So, like, can you I know, just interrupt uh, you real quick? Sure. I want to say something is um, so I. Uh, Synchronize number one has Radon Chong for 2013. In that show, in the on that episode, I have a link. I already have a link to Jake Kotz's Phoenix Dawn video. So it just since you're talking about Jake's video, if anyone's listening, you can look it up. It is on Vimeo. It's called Phoenix Dawn. Or you can also get to it from Synchronize episode one. There's a link. Wow. Um, but the the only thing I just want to say is you're saying this film had a water theme, which is absolutely true. But do you realize what Ray Don Chong's role in this movie is not water? It's not water, right? She sets off the fire alarm. Fire alarm. Yeah, exactly. She's the fire bringer that sets up like. I gotcha. Com- I'm yeah. completely with you on there. Yeah, yeah, totally. And so, like, I don't know if you saw my Matrix office space thing but there yeah, but did. but it, it the re, I, I almost had it on vimeo but it came down to one guy and it's a composer who had a song that that was on a vimeo video that i took down that discusses the uh baptism of fire and water so you yes. know there's yes. that verse yeah. about mm-hmm. john the baptist where it's like there was one who baptized with with water and there's one that will baptize with fire Yes. Yeah. 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 And so there's this whole thing there. Um, but that's a great point. Like that. That this really applies, I think, because you're absolutely right. This movie, 
uh, and the album pairing is is full of water themes. Um, but I, now it's making me think like they're actually, if you think about it, this seems to be all four elements really do seem to be at play because he's constantly looking up to the sky for signs. So he's right. He follows the bird and the helicopter. He's always looking to the air mm-hmm. for a sign of direction. Um, we have fire and water already covered. And then um, there's so much of earth as well with uh, the, I, I sent you those screenshots of like, Radon Chong sends the text message, do you like flowers? Oh, there's right. the flower picture. The um, the son, the guy that's like from the office, uh, what is that guy's name? Oh, I forget. I forget yeah, I don't know his name. name. But you know what I'm talking about, the, the brother. The brother. The, like, the wacky brother with the, you know. He, his, his, the company he works for is Poplar Paints or something. It's not right, right. It's T- Poplar. It's, yeah. It's, so, it's like pay pay too so you yeah sure well i was just thinking like that's that is a type of tree right and then he crashed his car into the tree oh, yeah. and everything's like um that was a huge moment like yeah. with the music yeah <laughs> because i have that like crashing sound in the music it, i will it, say that was really the moment where it, it started to click into place for me yeah for sure um i i thought this movie was hard um like getting into it, so like watching like um or even doing some of these sync pairings, I think it's often really hard when you have dialogue heavy scenes. It's like, well, is you know these can be thematically um, poignant, but then like, are they, you know, if there's not a lot of action on screen, it's hard to like feel the the resonance there. But like, I stuck with it, and then suddenly like in those scenes where like things start happening things start happening signs start occurring yeah 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 as it goes along yeah and then he says it at the beginning he says exactly what it what i i would want to convey about the sync at the 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 section that's still in there before the vocals come in in the first track when he's talking about so i watched signs again last night and he goes it keeps getting better every time i see it and he describes how it all comes together for one quote-unquote perfect moment at the end yeah Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of like where it goes. Like, and like the first time that that song plays about uh, that's kind of the autobiographical song about the girl who we know who the girl is, you know, uh, oh, but yeah. the, there's a there's a basketball scene and uh, musically it works totally great. Uh, but lyrically, it's not it's not as on point. Uh, there's things that are ironic, like when he's going through the store that gets said. Um, that totally fit, but it's a little strange. But the second time that it plays is when the sprinklers actually go off. And during that part, it's really when it drives it home. Like for, for me, at least, you know, but, it's like, but to me, the girl is this is like the girl he was talking about at the beginning when he's talking about his favorite character in signs. So, yes. So then it's like the girl is with him. Totally, and it's like the gr- the girl that he saved from the from the car accident. Yeah, and isn't the girl also Susan Sarandon, who's like she's afraid of water, but then she ends up like learning to sort of um, I don't know, like uh, wield the power of water at the end. Yeah, she em- embraces the thing, and it's something that she had related to is what she wanted, but an impossibility. And what Radon Chong showed her is that you don't have to. To go to be with this man underneath the waterfall you just want the state 
So she's like, you can achieve the state without having to get the specifics of what you can create. Your it's actually very similar to Jodorowsky's um, therapy sessions where if somebody has something that they want to embody or something that they have issues with, he has them confronted directly through another means. So in other words, like if you want to punch your relatives, you put their pictures on pumpkins and then smash the pumpkins. If you want to fuck your mother, you get your mother's dress and you put it on the bed and you fuck the dress. You know what I mean? Like you get it out of the way. Uh, and so in a sense, it's like she wanted to be with that man under the waterfall. But instead of getting that, she she uh, she gets into this. She allows herself to get into the state with her assistance, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think there's there's just so much there but um so okay so in, in what is help me remember what he says at the beginning about signs right so he says he does mention the little oh, girl is afraid of water right. he talks about the perfect ending but doesn't he also yeah. mention like oh she's afraid of water that she doesn't finish her water and everyone thinks she's, she's... afraid to drink it because she thinks it's contaminated or something like that Yes, mm. that's what he says, and that's what's in the movie Signs. I don't know if you've seen Signs, but... I, I saw it in the theaters, and I've, ne I've okay. never seen it again, yeah. So I, I was pointing out to Amelia that there's several references to Signs in the movie that wouldn't be so obvious necessarily. Like when he, he's doing the anagram for Kevin, and he sees knife, and then he's, he picks up the knife, and he's looking at the knife... Well, a kitchen knife just like that was used in the movie Science to peek under the door to get to see in the reflection whether the aliens were on the other side of the door. Mm. But the way it's presented in that scene in the movie, like just on its own, it's like you're you're stepping into this guy's reality. You don't know what his trip really is. Like he's at, at, at the beginning, he's kind of a mysterious character. So you could almost when he picks up that knife, it's like, oh, shit, could he is he thinking about suicide? Which is what that song is about. The High Tide, the song, is about someone I know who committed suicide. Oh, wow. Which is what I thought when I was watching it. And this is before that the, the car hit the tree. So before it really, like, clicked in. And I'm watching it. I'm the, I'm the songwriter. And I'm like, uh, this is about suicide. It looks like it's about suicide. The song's about suicide. <laughs> right. So, okay. So um, oh. I, I looked at your uh, band camp page for this. Um, the other night, and I saw that you said this was a lot of these songs were supposed to be part of like a musical. Mm -hmm. So yeah. what was the? Oh yes, this is yeah. the conversation I wanted to have. <laughs> okay. So what was the sort of thematic elements of that? Like, what can you? Uh, oh my gosh. Context can you add? This yeah. is one of it's. Uh, yeah. Other than music, I have a hard time completing projects. So this is a huge project that I still have hope that I'll finish someday, um, which is about the singularity. Um, but specifically, I think Ray Kurzweil's version of it, um, the, the tech takeover, and uh, it's a music, so it's a musical about the post-robot apocalypse. And so a number of the songs on High Tide are from that project, and um, that that's the last song, Count Down the Days, the first song, The Interrogation, The Long Road song, which is called Intro, um, Distracted, which is, there, there's a number of songs that are from this sketched out, but never um, booked, like I never, I, I'm not a book writer, so. Um, it's about, it's about the world after the, ro uh, 
after there's this kind of cartoony robot takeover where the robots are human shaped still, but they're kind of phasing that out and they still have a human zoo. And um, there's sort of a robot version of the guy, uh, their great thinker is still around, but they're about to oust him. They're about to replace him because he's obsolete too. Because uh, so, yeah. So your musical is about Lars and the real girl? <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, sorry, what I actually want to, joking aside, uh, is there um, an, an actual correlation? Because while you're talking about like, this 2012 singularity, and I know that your album incorporates all these water imagery. Can we say there... 2020 singularity, please? Mm. Well, what I'm going to say is, like, do, is there a, an Age of Aquarius? Uh, is that... That concept is that in the musical? Yeah, is that intentional or just a or just a sort of coincidence that like the correlation between like the flooding, a you know the sort of what we think of as Age of Aquarius, the the flood of information, the singularity, or like it, how much of that like technology plus water or equals water was intentional? Mm. Uh, I would say none of what you're specifically saying was intentional. Uh, none of that was, was intentional. Um, the, the concept, but not, not in a a literal sense, but as far as flooding a concept that's beyond water of just a concept, the, the, the concept of the singularity to me itself is like a flooding. It's, it's that, um, yeah. So it's not water flooding, but it's conceptual flooding. Precise, yeah. That's yeah. that's what I'm that's what I'm feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely too. And I've I feel like that's been um, I don't know something like I've, it's an association I've had with this for a super long time. And I think it's interesting that we're like I, I don't wanna, I don't want to bring this about my thing, but I I've literally mm-hmm. been I'll tell you guys about this later. But like playing with these different pieces of media, and I'm just realizing this week how many of the things that I'm playing with were recorded in 2012 mm-hmm. and i'm like oh that's really bizarre like i don't i did I, that like i had was not intentional at all i wasn't looking at dates it was like specific pieces of media or like just thing anyway and i'm like there's something really interesting that all these things were recorded in 2012 and i want to ask you so this album that you did then and now david's sort of bringing it i was like making it relevant again but like however you want to like perceive that of like giving it a new life totally. in 2020. It's, it's a new thing. I mean, yeah. the, the album is, is, has a new life with Jeff who lives at home. It's totally different. I love it. <laughs> and David, you mentioned, you know, 2012 singularity. Can we say 2020 singularity? So it's this idea of like, what is the correlation between 2012 and 2020? It seems so strong. Right. Well, I mean, we have the astrological shit happening right now. And yeah, like three days, it trips it trips me out because like, you know, both you and myself have been so focused on the Golden Bough and all the symbolism involved in that. And I'm just like Jupiter Saturn conjunction. Like I, I realize like you're like every 20 years, but this is the first time in uh, what it, how, how does it work? It's the it's the first time in 800 years that it's gone into an air sign. And it's the first time in over 3,000 years that it's happened. It's landing on the solstice. 
And so, like, in 2012, it was like, where's where's the astrological point to where you're like, holy shit, that is significant. Both planets are moving into Aquarius. And then we're looking at, you know, the what when is this shift? Because if you're relating to the Mayan calendar, it's like you're looking at the equinox of the gods, and we're coming out of the 26,000-year Piscinian age. Then that gets really interesting. And what is Aquarius but the water bearer? Yeah, oh, yeah, that's what I was. Um, all right, so we're the all on the same page bear. here. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's really what I was alluding to. So we're on the same page. Like, there's something, there's something right now that, like, energetically, right now, this is really resonant. So what right. can we learn? So like, um, all right, I want Amelia. I want to ask you this. So between your what you know of like the musical concept and then the Jeff that lives at home variation, are there sort of like any common lessons, morals, things like that between there? Like, uh, oh, well, there's a huge emphasis on, I think, trusting your gut that's between the two. Uh, the character of Jeff is, is, I think, echoed in the lyrics a lot. Yeah, I, 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 there's a bunch of stuff I want to say, but you should say it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go for it, man. Okay, well, one of one of one of my heavy focuses is the Saudi star issue, and when you look at the idea of like that to to say, okay, the name is perfect, name of twenty two is perfect in every way, but there's this one problem with it. So, like to me, the the Saudi star switch is very relevant here because the star is Aquarius. And attributing that to the emperor and then saying it, which is so you have the whole thing is this as this lie. And so, like, I, I see the Trump administration and everything that's happened is so relatable to that, that twist in the name. And that the, the point is, is that, no, Saudi is the fucking star. And there's no amount of, of influence or manipulation that can change what we're actually moving into. And so, like, I see that switch as so specific relating to the ages. Like, it's like what we're anticipating the next age to be in the manipulation has everything to do with it, with attributing Saudi to the emperor rather than hey, because hey is the window, hey is receptivity, hey is is the shakina, the upper and the lower shakina. And so you're saying you're you're saying no, but you got and so you attach the emperor next to the tower when you do that switch, which is a fish hook next to a mouth. And then, you know, and then what is the fish but death or the only unnamed arcana in the deck? And the way that that card gets situated when you, you've you seen um, that display where it's not the tarot tableau, but it's the hero's journey, you know, and how you can, when you set it up just normal, you'd have all at one side, Lamed on the other. So you have the ox and the ox goad. And it's also L. It's the abbreviation of Elohim because it's Aleph and Lamed uh, as the fool and adjustment or justice, right? And so... Like when you when you shift it over to meet the Crowley's switch, if it if it acted accordingly, you can set it up so that you have the sun on one side and lust on the other, or strength. So you have the sun and Leo, and so that's his whole six 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 thing, and that relates to Gavora and whatnot, and obviously the pathway between Chesed and Gavora. Um, but uh, my thing is is like I'm like no the the distribution of the flooding of what Aquarius is is to happen no matter how much we want powers that be want to rig that. And so I see the Saudi star switch as kind of like an attempt in our very language to manipulate this order. But this, but that's the thing about something like a Jupiter 
Saturn conjunction or any planetary movement or celestial, you know, movement is that is that this trumps, excuse me, but it trumps whatever our goings on happen to be, all of our influences. And so all these characters in, in Jeff who lives at home with their doubts and their their own different neuroses or whatever they have going on, it's like and they all look at Jeff and go, Oh, he's the most he's the most neurotic or he's the one with the most issues. He, it actually, it, he sees it for, he's, he's open to this kind of like crack in the sheath of what we're projecting, you know? And it's like, and then that ends up trumping everyone's trip. Like everyone thinks that things go a certain way or whatever. And they're like, and they can't explain it, but that doesn't change the fact. So it's kind of that syntax thing that we always fall for that error when we're more interested in the whys and the hows than we are in the what. Like Jeff is following the signs. So he's just looking at the what. Everyone's so concerned with how that could be that they're going to miss the what that's right in front of them. So he sees it as a plain picture. It's right there. Uh, and he doesn't know. And he's willing to be in a place of mystery where all these people want knowledge. They want to just know everything before so that they can plan and, you know, do what they need to do, you know. Um, yeah, you follow me? Yeah, there's one scene where he's like where the brother says, like, well, is that a sign? And he's like, I don't know. Maybe, you know, maybe, maybe. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Can I ask? So I have like a very cursory understanding of Hebrew. Uh, can I ask you guys? I remember Jason Barrera used to talk about this thing that he called water, water. And I thought that he related that to the um, the two the two haze. So well, I well, if you I say mem hey, mem, you're spelling out mem. Because it's mem, you know, and so oftentimes if you're spelling out the word, that's you get you get water. Mem is water. Yeah, mem is water. So is there <laughs> is there linguistically is there a connection between hay and water, or is that just something he was talking about, and it was probably a different thing? Uh, well, you you relate bina to a sea. Mm-hmm. And that's appropriate in the arcana because you can look at the high priestess; she has the sea behind her, right? Sure, sure, sure. And and so and that's our gimel. That's our masonogy. That's what that's the vertical pathway between Tefereth and um, and Keter. And so you know that's that's you know the square and the compass is the upper Sephiroth and the lower Sephiroth conjoined. You know, and so but then you have the river that runs through the cards are extending from that sea. And so in the in that sense, yeah, you could you could you could relate that this, that that's the sea of Bina that gets distributed into the lower worlds. It relates directly to the emanated flow, which is what Aquarius speaks to as well. That's why, like, the big thing in the alignment that I'm speaking to, when you shift the cards as such, in Crowley's deck specifically, you get a line between that, that um, kind of Fibonacci-type spiral thing in the death card, mm -hmm. and the way that that meets the, 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 uh, what's being poured in the star card, because they're diagonal with each other. Mm -hmm. and so you have the emanated flow is turning to death because you have this rearrangement of the name which is which is blasphemy so it's 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 uh the real idolatry is in relating to the name as anything other than the name itself so saying if you want to twist it you you can do that but then you're relating to that screen and that that clephotic lens rather than the actual order of things it's and so like the order the, uh... of things yeah yeah, it's like the the golem uh, having the letters rearranged so it no longer says truth, and then it's out of your control, right? It's like if right, you... a, a mat and met. It's where we get met life insurance because it's yeah. death, uh, life death insurance. Yeah. Well, met. Do you know met is an Egyptian word also? 
uh, and met in Egyptian means um, phallus. Um, I think it means phallus. It might mean ejaculate. And um, I'd, I'd have to look, but like it, it has like these similar sort of correspondences to like that death card being that sort of like orgasmic, as you say, you put it very poetically, the, uh, the emanated flow there. But um, there's 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 definitely like a correlation in that death card of this like um, orgasm, this sort of uh, ejaculation. And I feel like that's um, actually, I'm going to look up the other meanings of the word met in Egyptian, but I know that's definitely two of the meanings. Interesting. Do you know, I, I have a quote here that I took from Stanley Kubrick in the archives and his um, his notes on these proposals for AI, where this this is a quote from, from Stanley Kubrick in his own handwriting. Oh, this was very different from the alchemical conjuring of that bombastic uh, experimenter Paras Paracelsus, is that how you say it? You guys probably know. Paracelsus? Uh, not paralysis, but <laughs> I don't know. It's almost like that. Uh, who claimed to have brought a homunculus to life a few years earlier by sealing magnetized sperm hermetically within a vessel, heating with horse manure, um, uh, the feeding with uh, arcane blood. Uh, and then he said, this was true and pious Kabbalah. So it's interesting to see Kubrick speaking to Kabbalah at all. I mean, I, I, I've seen two rabbis give talks on on Kubrick's use of Kabbalah at the Jewish Museum for the um, uh, Kubrick exhibit. But he says, uh, Yehuda stamped the word Amet upon the golem's hot brow, erased the first letter, and true would become dead. In its mouth, he inserted the paper uh, program uh, bearing the secret name of God remove the Shem, and the golem would collapse back into clay. And so that's just fucking so confirming for old always record conversations relating to Hal as a golem and all this kind of stuff. I mean, that's Kubrick himself talking about true and pious Kabbalah in relationship to a golem. Like, and then that's saying, incredible. But, but he's making, but in that statement, he was making a distinction for what the guy was going for. He's illustrating to the man who's coming up with this screenplay of what his vision is, he's like, this isn't that. That is something. That is true and pious Kabbalah. But this AI that we're relating to is something else. Ah, uh, I, I understand what you're saying. Okay, yeah. Right. So he's, have, ma making, two, he's making the distinction. Right, because you have two directives to the Sephiroth. You have the actual organic order, so to speak. It's the organism. It's the way that the thing expresses itself. And then you have our replication. And so, you know, that's, 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 the, that's the key. And so when you're relating to what gets distributed through Aquarius, you're saying there, here's something that is going to trump the previous way of relating to things, where we were relating to the screen as though it held precedence. But the emanative flow itself is more primary than that. And so what we're looking at, as far as I can tell, is a breakdown of that, of that projection and moving into this other, this other thing, which is mysterious. And that's the, like, like uh, you know, the way I relate to Jeff who lives at home, I mean, I realize it's a fictional story, but there's so much truth to it. And that truth is like the proof is in the pudding. Like there's no substitute for that experience. And those who have that experience know it. Like those who would have surrounded Jeff and saw his trip with this Kevin guy. And then it turns out that the man who he saved was actually named Kevin. They would know that and they would see the proof and they wouldn't know it to the degree that he knows it because he experienced it. 
but they could still infer to uh, a degree. So, okay, you just answered a question. So in your thing, since I, again, since I haven't seen the movie, I was wondering what the ending, what where Kevin comes back in. Kevin comes back in because that's the father's name. Gotcha. Who he okay. pulls out from the car. In the, who's I, in the- I figured, but I wasn't sure, so I, I appreciate that, yeah. Sure, yeah. Um, we, so there's, there's actually two other syncs that have yet to be, uh, uploaded. One of them is in the Dropbox, um, but it's, uh, I Heart Huckabees and Amelia has an album called This Heart. You should tell them a bit, bit about that. About This Heart? About and about the I Heart Huckabees pairing. Oh. it's relatable. Yeah, it's totally relatable. Um, I, I Heart Huckabees, um, I, I would say that the 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 hardest, like the the place that it hits me the hardest, is in the ending, the ending where it's all about connecting through pain. He's able to connect with Jude Law. Jason Schwartzman is able to connect with Jude Law through seeing him sad. And the weight of your bones is a song on this heart, which is. Um, Actually, I wrote it about the column after the Columbine killing, and I had um, I had I had an experience when I was eight where a little girl in my class was murdered, and and when Columbine happened, it kind of brought me back to that pain, and so I kind of ripped off a Maria Bamford song <laughs> called uh, "Don't Be Afraid of the Dark." I think that's what it's called. And so the song is like, is is about how we're never actually alone in our in our tragedy, that there's tragedy all around us, and we can actually sort of bleed through each other and connect that way. And I think that's what the movie's about. Um, it's a, it's, yeah. I mean, these things, the the ones that David's done with my movies that I've seen are just, I mean, to me, they're pretty in, amazing. And I've seen a number of his. And um, just knowing the lyrics the way that I do and knowing even just the things that they're about, they're really, really, really interesting. Um, I Heart Huckabees is specifically, I mean, it's, it's, it's a movie that I love. So, <laughs> so I love to see. Um, there, there's one specific scene where uh, I'm, I have, I, 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 where Jason Schwartzman's with his mom and the song is, I love you, but you're killing me. <laughs> I love you. Get away from me. <laughs> right. And it's this, it's this really funny, like it's a song that sounds like a eighties exercise video, but it's actually about like extreme anxiety. <laughs> it just fits so well. I mean, to me, they just, to me, they, they're amazing. There's the music video for uh, the don't look at me. Oh, self-fulfilling prophecy, right? There's a song on the album called "Self-Fulfilling Prophecy," where um, it's a it's a homemade it's a homemade video. <laughs> but there's uh, I sort of play with. Uh, I love idea. your homemade videos. Yeah. Oh, thanks. <laughs> um, actually, that video I made with my uh, a very good friend of mine whose birthday is December twenty first. I have pretty serious December twenty first connections. My I'm, I was born on the summer solstice, and my dad and my first boyfriend, who's a good friend of mine, who makes who made a bunch of videos with me, um, he's, he's, they're born on December 21st, so that's just another little connection there. 
Um, one of my one of my first real serious girlfriends was born on uh, December twenty first. Also, that's interesting. It's a good day. <laughs> the the video was filmed where? In Zion, Illinois. But wasn't it a um, a reserve, a wildlife preserve? Yeah, there's a there's a natural wetlands at in Zion. It's called Illinois Beach State Park, and it's yeah. So that really mirrors the project in High Heart Huckabees to save the what is it? What are they trying to save? A forest? Uh, open spaces, wetlands, uh, wetlands. Yeah, it is wetlands. yeah, it is wetlands. It's a natural. It's the only natural wetlands in Illinois, I think. Still, I think, um, and I, I just I think that the you know the Wachowskis are from Chicago. I think that they uh, they I think they knew about Zion when they wrote The Matrix. <laughs> Zion, well, Illinois. Well, they have the whole um, secret uh, school uh, therapy place, so uh, I think I, I we must we must have had this conversation. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I ever told you about this, Alan. But I, I had a friend uh, uh, years ago named Yoshi, who uh, this was. I mean, I was 21. I'm 30. Did I just turn 38? I think or 39. What? Am, how? How old are you, Amelia? 39. Okay, I'm 39. Also, thank you. Uh, but anyway, yeah, no, he, this, this guy and his girlfriend Cinnamon had gone through a program that was headed by the Wachowski brothers at the time and uh they they basically people would come with their personal issues or whatever and it was a promise it was very expensive it's like this elite fucking whatever but their slogan was there's nothing in the water and every couple doors throughout this facility they had big water containers um and uh uh People, people, people would start tripping on it because they're like, "Is there nothing in the? Is there something in the water?" Because they're like, "No, there's nothing in the water. There's nothing in the water." And it just became this whole thing. And uh, yeah, he had a he had, he had an apparent breakthrough about some family stuff or whatever through them. Uh, but I always thought it was interesting that it was like they weren't allowed to talk about what actually went on there. They're allowed to only say so much. So I got that the, there's nothing in the water and a description of the place, but the actual exercises are secret. And so I got to wonder about that. Well, just this sort of correlation to water and all this sort of stuff. So uh, if we have, I'm just trying to like make it, uh, if we, if we just go back to Jeff was at home for a second throughout that film, right? We have the, he starts off talking about water. He mentions the, um, um, shit, I'm sorry. Uh, so the you know the the waterfall. You have the jumping into the water at the end. I feel like there's like one more. Oh, there's ten, there's ten more. I could so yeah. so uh, in the scene where you have his brother with um, I forget that that actress's name, um, but him and his his uh, his girlfriend or whatever, and uh, he he she he reveals that he's got the Porsche. Porsche mm -hmm, or whatever, mm -hmm. and she gets all mad. Well, he says in that scene, and this is in between vocals, that a relationship is like a plant and it needs to be That's, watered. Yes, yes. And this is like, and uh, this is like a watering can. Mm -hmm. And so, and then that relates to to the flower in the picture that Susan Sarandon receives or whatever. You know, relationships are like a or like a or like a flower or whatever. Um, 
And uh, so then there's another part where, it's, which is actually the first time that the the long road plays, where he's in the fancy restaurant that uh, the brother made made fun of, and Jeff is snuck in. He's ha- has to get the. That's actually in both movies too. Is the coat thing, because he's he in order to sit in the restaurant, he has to wear the special. You know, he has to have a a, a jacket, sports jacket or whatever. And so they give him a, a jacket to wear. They also do that in the I Heart Huckabees, which is how I guess the card for the existential detectives. Um, that's but right. That's right. When, yeah. he, when he's sitting in the booth with the with the phone up, so that his brother can hear the conversation of his girlfriend and her coworker, uh, the guy comes up and he's he, and he's asking if he wants anything. And he says, "Just says water." And I think he says it twice. I think the guy says what, and he goes water. And so. That's actually on a water line. It's actually before uh, and after the water line. It's like right. The, what is that? What is that line in the in the song there? I'm not sure. Is that which? Is it dig deep? Is it the? There's this long song about a guy going to hell. No, it's it's the long road. It's <laughs> the in the long, long road. road. Oh. Uh, it doesn't. Yeah, I don't expect it. <laughs> <laughs> right. It'll um, take me a thing. Um, it's okay, uh, but anyway, yeah, there is a water water line right there, and then there's uh, they sit in the in the bathtub later, and then same flashes back and forth to the two brothers in the bathtub, to the to, uh, to Susan Sarandon and and Radon Chong on the floor of the bathroom. So they're both in bathrooms. Um, yeah, yeah. There's actually a line there too that's applicable, but uh, but that the, song the long uh, dig deep. References a river and a sea in different ways. Right. Like, like the river is like the bad place, and then the sea is the place that the singer wants to go. Right. Well, that's 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 kabbalistic, right? Because I mean, you have the the emanative flow. It wouldn't be it would be all it would be all great if it wasn't getting further and further restricted as we go along with the fall. So that perpetual fall. That's the characteristic of the fall. Is the tightening and the the um, the restraint that's put on the free flowing of that emanated flow? That's was always my s- sense kabbalistically in terms of the significance of the age of Aquarius is that it's the unrestricting of that flow and thus the nullification of the klepot that are doing that constriction. Um, right, and that's what that song is about. Is basically um, like the devil grabbing a person and being like, "Stop fucking around and be," you know, like. Liberate yourself, kind of. Mm-hmm. Isn't that the, the, the first line, maybe, is relating to the devil? I can't remember. The what... devil's got me in his grip. Right. Which, which, by the way, I mean, I have to say, you know, I there's so many themes that resonate to me based on having written the song. So, like, that song was very loosely veiling my hatred of my job at the time. So, <laughs> um, so that uh i don't know I, I i should say that connects more to i heart huckabees which has also more songs about hating my job and also more um in the movie about hating the job but i could really i, I love i heart huckabees by the way and i um i can really see the correlation between these two films um oh yeah they add up the third one's garden state and so okay, Garden State, which she, she has an album called Hello Abyss. So the, 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 just to jump mm-hmm. back, the reason why the I Heart Huckabees thing came to be a thing, and I 
<laughs> spend so long with it was because uh, we were, you know, that there's a scene in I Heart Huckabee's with the um, stop looking at me and she, as she's taking her bikini off. That's in the song. Uh, uh, don't please look don't at look me. at me. Please, please don't, don't look, look at, at me. me. Yeah. Yeah. Please don't look mm-hmm. at me. And, and in my and, video. And so in the video, yeah, she's like, you know, poolside. And so it's just, it's, it's very relatable, but I suggested playing it with I Heart Huckabees based on that without knowing that the album is called This Heart. That's, that. that's crazy. Yeah. Sorry, I was muted. Yeah. That's, that's, that's great. And like I said, just, yeah, uh, you're right with the Jack. I was surprised in Jeff who was at home that there was no sync around the jacket. When he, when he puts the jacket on, I was so expecting something to happen. And I thought it was, it was actually a really interesting edit is that when he goes running out of the restaurant after his brother, he's just not wearing the jacket anymore. And I was like, oh, that's like shocking. I really expected he was going to run out with the jacket and they, that was going to lead to something. But they just right. like, have my, him my, wearing the jacket and then he runs out of the restaurant without it. My question is, is did the ex- existential detective's card come from Jeff in for in higher Huckabee. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. That's so funny. That's nerdy. That's a nerdy thought. (laughs) Guys, don't even know. That's totally what it is. Yeah. That's great. So. Yeah, Two Brothers in the Bath. I really, uh, when I saw that, I was thinking of, like, the classic alchemical bath. Um, And, uh, you know, it's, there's this, idea even like uh, from a tarot perspective the there's this interchange between the brothers and the lovers right um, oh sure yeah because you have romulus and remus in the lover's card in, in tarot and it's gemini and you know that uh, amelia is a gemini by the way mm-hmm. oh no i didn't know that okay summer um solstice. what'd you say summer solstice gotcha okay um david your birthday is just recently right december 8th yeah so you but you're oh okay so what are you a Scorpio? Uh, I'm in Ophiuchus. Oh okay. I'm actually uh, I'm I'm Sagittarius, but Sag- if you were nice, to yeah. say if you were to incorporate yeah. Ophiuchus, Classic, I would be in the yeah. center of, of Ophiuchus. Yeah. Yeah 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 gotcha. Um, so you just turned thirty nine. Yeah. Okay. That's so why I that's, yeah. I mean I'm bad anyway with my age, but oh yeah. so am I. <laughs> I mean, it just hit me last week. That I was like, oh, shit, I'm about to turn 40. I'm also 39, but I'm like. So we're all 39. That's Yeah, so we're cool. all 39 right now. Yeah. That's I, the gematria of tall. Yeah. Cool. I think a lot about the uh, my perspective in the world uh, being, you could call us uh, exennials or whatever you want to call us. But we, we're a hinge between really, really different realities that's true yeah i i totally get what you mean by that like we're we're where we exist in this really strange like on the cusp you know mm-hmm. you think of like an astrological term someone's like oh i'm born on the cusp i'm mm-hmm. a little this and this it's like that where it's like there really were two different mm-hmm. technological ages mm-hmm. um that's really interesting uh so do you guys are you know I've seen people talking about this coming Jupiter Saturn conjunction and you have joked about twenty twenty singularity are are you of the mind that this sort of marks the entry into so Age of Aquarius is classically really like 
of sort of vague date, right? Like when does that start? There is no specific classic date that you could say this is the day it starts. There's discrepancy around. Sure, yeah. 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 So I just want to ask, are you of the mind that like, so I've seen people saying that's happening this week. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm just curious if you're of that mind. I, I'd, I can't, can, mind if I interject here? I, I would just say that, uh, I'll say the same thing I said in 2012, is that when you're looking at a transition, you're not looking at the flick of a switch type thing. You're not like, okay, now it's, this thing's going to happen. It's like, no, this is a movement. And, and even after it happens, there will be a period of acclimation, and who knows how long that will actually be until people are situated into another reality. You know, It's not just like the flipping of a switch. It does feel like a lot's changing. Like a friend just told me, I'm not making any plans during coronavirus. Like I'm not, like there's just a sense that we're in a liminal space right now. So I've spent the last few months definitely in that liminal space. And I mean, if I'm, if I'm blunt, I mean, it was, it got, it got bad in the sense of feeling like I couldn't make any plans, right? Like where it's, um, or, like, or this sort of nihilistic, quote unquote uh, nihilistic um what's the point of making plans right like um so uh i hit there uh, around october where i'm like well i had just finished these two big projects i finished uh hindsight 2020 and i finished uh editing zenor's book and i really wanted i was look so looking forward to transitioning to working on this video game and then what happened was i'm just like shit man like i'm like you know, a month or so away from this election and like everything's sort of like weirdly energetically like heating up and like there's this all this tension and I'm like, who the, this year has been so weird and like, is there a point in starting some artistic adventure, you know, this like that's labor intensive art piece that no one's going to give a shit about while the world's fucking crumbling and is there something better I should be doing? And <laughs> like all of like the spiral there of like, how do you make plans if the world is so liminal around you and so destabilized, how do you put down roots? Uh, you know, how do you make, how do you lay a foundation for a future in that? And um, I just, so on a personal level, I really resonate with that, but I do feel like in just the last, like really just the last few weeks, I feel like I'm kind of have snapped out of that and I've, I've been able, I, I feel some ground under my feet again. Um, so it's almost, and, and I want to be really clear, like I, I don't, I, I'm not someone who thinks uh, the world has gotten any more stable, you know, with the election of Joe Biden or anything like that. It's not like that, that sort of headspace, but I just feel like um, something personally, energetically, like I feel um, something shifted for me. Uh, so to you, does that connect to 2012, uh, the, not 2012, to the... I can't say that it does, no. Um, I mean, not to 2012, but to December 21st. <laughs> sure, yeah. Um, I think, okay, on a personal level, yes and no, like, yes, but not in the way... I mean, you know, everything is like, sure, that's the way it works, right? But whatever, mm -hmm. for, for me... Um, I'm the kind of person who like, all right, so like David has known me for many years and I used to be a very different 
person creatively in the sense of like I could just sit down and fucking work for five days straight at my computer like some you know even though I'm not a coke fiend but like the equivalent of like you know just like not sleeping and just fucking working and just like these like really um Mm -hmm. really hyper focused and like whatever and then I just I burnt the fuck out you know like I did that for so long and I worked on so many different projects and I just burnt the fuck out and I didn't really see any quote unquote, you know, uh, thing come of it, you know, it's like, it didn't busted my ass and it's like, Oh shit. I still like, I'm fucking broke. And you know, I have people mad at me that I didn't share my fame and fortune with them that I never got. And I'm like, you know, I'm like everything about it just seemed like so fucked. And I'm just like, ah, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, so I had all these sort of things and and where I am now like energetically is I can't I can't just like do what I used to do in the sense of like just try you know just diving in and just start writing like I feel like I've um I've lost that ability and I have to be and which is not a necessarily bad thing I I'm much more thoughtful and like so to do a hindsight 2020 just this roundabout answer is like the only way I was able to produce that series is by setting deadlines for myself. And so for the first episode, I was like, all right, I have to have this episode out by September 11th. And that would have been 2019. And I was like, okay. And it was like in the middle of summer. And I, I was just struggling with this. I wrote that script 50 fucking times, 50 different ways. I'd write like five paragraphs and like, this is terrible and throw it out. And I just am so unsure how I wanted to start it. And, and then finally, it was like beginning, middle of August. And I'm like, fuck, I have to have this out in a month. And I just like suddenly just like had a two week, you know, uh, manic fit where I just didn't sleep. And I pounded out the script and I recorded it and I edited the whole thing. And it was just like this thing that I spent months stressing over just suddenly like, blah, there it is. It's done in this like intense hyper intense um fit of productivity and that basically happened to me five times over the course of those five episodes i like finished that first episode and i was like great now i've got this momentum i'll keep it going and instead what happened is i fucking crashed again i was like i put this huge exertion into this creative fit and then i just like was useless for a month like i was fucking like i couldn't write i couldn't do anything i was kind of depressed i was just like totally drained and then I'd have to recharge and then start that process all over. And then I ended up having to set a deadline for myself and say, okay, well, I have to have this out by this day. And and it was like, literally, as the deadline was approaching, suddenly like that panic kicked in and I just made it happen. And I've again, done that, done that, done that, done that. So what's happened for me uh, coming around to your question is, again, I spent a lot of October and November just kind of in this like drained depressed, no energy, low energy, just sort of like unable to really bring that forth. And then something was like, oh shit, you're about to turn 40. The fucking Jupiter-Saturn conjunction's about to fucking happen. Like, you don't want, I, I don't want to, you know, enter this new, what I perceive as a new era of my life as sort of cut. I don't want to meet that as some guy who's like laying in bed being like, oh, I don't know. So it's like, fuck it. You know, and I just sort of like, that's what with the fire. Right. Under my ass. So I was like, oh, shit, I'm 
I I I need to fucking step up for this moment um and just kind of get my ass back in gear. And so I don't know how long that lasts. I don't mean I don't know that this like for me this isn't like a great changing of the whatever, but it is it was enough of a something for me. And again, it just it also for me it's not just the 21st but the 31st which is my birthday. So like feeling this um sort of deadline in that way um i don't know if that answers your question but it's it's a little it's a little more like maybe temporary and kind of personal but that that's how it's affected me of like a a shift from this moment did it correspond mm -hmm. with um a video game like hitting a plateau or something or a... say that again i'm sorry did it correspond with something with your work with the video game well yeah so i mean i've i've been uh really having i've been struggling to produce uh, as I said, you know, just like I, I've been chipping away at stuff, but nowhere near as productive as I, I need to be to meet my, like I had kind of set myself this, um, deadline to have a, a demo out in the spring. So I was thinking like late February, middle of March, um, having this demo out. And I just like, I, that timeline was based, was based on, me being productive for all this time, not me being like depressed and mopey. <laughs> so, um, hey, go yeah. ahead. I just want to say, I have so, a question yeah, for you. Yeah, yeah. Okay, go for it. I, I, just to finish that thought, I say when you're like, the shift that I'm saying is like, in the last few weeks, I've suddenly been very productive and like actually, like, I've, I've had this huge to do list in front of me for two months and now I'm just starting to like every day like really make good progress on it so it I am relating that to the video game yeah but it's also just like a just a headspace as well but but definitely it's a, the quantifiable aspect for me is the video game progress I wanted to ask you Alan that uh it's been a while since uh we've gone I, I don't completely remember the the all the premise of uh, all the happy creatures <laughs> but when but when Amelia was describing her musical, it reminded me of it in some weird way. And I think it was it was uh, caged people, like a zoo, like a human zoo. And I can't remember. Well, the song "Count Down the Days," which is the last song on the album, is um, from the human zoo that the artificial the robots keep around. But they're they're probably going to phase out, which is a big plot point. Um, so it's like a drinking song from the, from the human zoo where they're like, count down the days till you're dead. But it's like a happy oh, song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is really poignant in the second time that it, or maybe that's the first, I can't remember what, I guess that wasn't the first time it plays. Um, does it even play twice? I don't even know. Um, I think it only plays once. And, it only uh, plays once and it's when they're having the fight yeah. and in the, in the apartment. In the hotel room, yeah, yeah, excuse me, and he walks out, yeah, and it starts, I think the song starts right when he walks out the door with the countdown the days to your deadline, yeah, it's heavy, but uh, yeah, is that relatable? I can't remember all the happy creatures that well. Um, uh, yeah, um, so happy creatures uh, is basically um, genetically engineered, they're like humanoid animals like so like they're like um the classic like child's cartoon of like a talking animal you know it's bugs bunny is like he's a rabbit but he taught but he's basically a person right or you know uh anything like that 
So it's mm-hmm. like taking that idea of the like talking humanoid animal entertainment and basically instead of it being a cartoon rabbit or a cgi squirrel or whatever the fuck it's like let's hey it's the future we could just genetically engineer this fucking this animal and okay this can be a, a rabbit this can be a monkey this can be whatever and they're genetically engineered but they can talk and think like humans um, and we just film them for our entertainment purposes. So it is kind of like a zoo. They're purely there for entertainment purposes and they're caged and they're like, um, it kind of like combines that aspect with the, oh, you know, like everything from like food industry, how do we treat animals to like entertainment industry, treating humans like cattle and, you know, everything from like sex trafficking slavery like all these sorts of metaphors you can put together um so yeah it's, it's sort of like a, a zoo human zoo i think is, a, is an appropriate sort of uh it, it, correlation. It's funny because it also reminds me of uh the who's life house mm-hmm. totally and uh, so the oh, end the ending of of happy creatures is a similar similar sort of uh ending so um Basically, uh, the other plot point in Happy Creatures is that there's this device. It's like this kind of virtual reality device um, that is meant to be like this herald in this new age of entertainment. Uh, it's this new technology uh, that's supposed to, you know, like be like a virtual reality entertainment. But what ends up happening is it's it's secretly there to, you know, control and brainwash the entire planet. Um, but then a mix of, you know, real world sabotage and spiritual sort of, um, I don't know, you know, uh, deus ex machina type, you know, thing. Uh, what ends up happening is that device that is meant to enslave everyone's minds instead, like accidentally kind of like cracks the programming in everyone's minds, um, and that that's sad and that's a correlation to White House for sure. Uh, Life House, <laughs> excuse me. Yeah. Like my musical, actually. Yeah, and so and Amelia, how long have you lived in New York? Um, I moved to New York in 1999. Well, I first showed up in New York in 1999, and then um, I was I came to New York to get a passport to go on to Israel because um, I had met some. Uh, hippies, uh, some mis- Jewish missionary hippies that wanted to fly me to Israel. So I had to come get a passport, and then I went to Israel, and I lived there for nine months. Um, I had an open-ended ticket, and then came back to New York um, and stayed pretty much. So that was just it was like a stopover, but then I came back. Queen. Uh, so you you you. You basically live there some like two thousand on or two thousand one on something like that. Uh, probably, probably two thousand. I, I I remember I celebrated the New Year of the Millennium. I moved to Jerusalem from the Judean Hills, and so yeah, just one New Year. So I came back in two thousand. Gotcha. Cool. Okay. Gotcha. So just to say, I mean, I was. Um, you said like that sounds like your musical is. I'm just realizing we were probably writing in the same time. And same same time same place so I, I i've finished yeah i finished that while i was still living in new york so 
I would have I would have read that if it wasn't like seven hundred dollars on Amazon. <laughs> it shouldn't be. That's crazy. That's that's <laughs> probably somebody's scan. That is not yeah. me selling that. For Somebody's sell, selling all the happy creatures for seven hundred dollars on Amazon. I think it's so. out of print. I think so. Well, it, it technically is out of print. Um, so uh, I, I, don't, I don't want to waste your all time explaining why it's out of print. It's literally just like the most annoying thing. And um, so the, the the original printer that I used got bought out by Amazon. And it used to be that like you, know, you just sent them the file and whatever. And at some point, I wanted to update the cover. I made a new cover for the thing. And I was just like, what do I went in? I was like, ooh, I just want to upload a new cover to this, some cover art for this thing. And they said, hey, um, it, it made it go back through their system. And Amazon's, like, printer specifications are different from the original printer specifications. So basically, like, yeah, sorry, we the, this doesn't meet our printing specifications. We can't print it anymore. I'm like, you were printing it yesterday. Like, right. surely that's not the problem. But, like, I would have to, I would just have to do, like, a lot of, like, pre-press over for a book that I'm, like, I never really, you know, it was... Right, it was a project that you had in your past. It's not necessarily, like, what, you know, what you're working on now, yeah. Yeah, so it's like I, I would have to do a lot of work to get it back in print, and I just I, I I have picked it up. There have been multiple times every few years I pick it up and I'm like, all right, I'm just going to take a few days and I'll get it ready for the printer, and then right. So uh, like, you know, you know what? Uh, Amelia just went through um, the scans from Baruch of our translations of uh, section of the of the Zohar prophecy. And so what's what's so cool about that, though, is that there's a lot of things in there that I think that uh, that most people wouldn't even know what they're reading. But Amelia gets the idea. So it's really satisfying. I, I, I do get the idea, but I, I need to go through it all again. I was just typing feverishly. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have a plan what you want to do once it's typed up? You talking to me? Uh, Bones, yeah, but, whatever. Uh, share it. I mean, I don't. I don't necessarily need to get it uh, published. The only way we could, I could stand to get it published onto sacredtext.com, which I'm, I think I have this guy's card somewhere. But I know the lawyer, who, one of the people who's the founders of that website, and he told me. I told him about it, and he was like, "Well, if you ever get it together and it's and it's solid, you know, he's like, I'll I'll put it on the site for you." That would be but, awesome. Uh, yeah, that'd be cool. Uh, but at the same time. You know, there's always there's this factor of like just just it's a, it's a it's a problem with Judaism in general that it's like unless if you know all this context, which requires year, literal years of study to even get a, a, an idea of what it's speaking to, um, it's easy for people to pull out jump to conclusions boards. You know, jump to conclusions, Matt. Excuse me. I don't want I don't want people to look at my at this text that I transcribed and not understand the distinction between a prophecy and a prediction and to say, oh, the oh, the Jews were were behind 9-11 is like not mm -hmm. the point and not what you're looking at. Even you're looking at them at basically really brilliant people who were able to recognize the what it what what people will do just because of their inclinations. And so the event itself is predicted. What happens with consciousness is prophesied. 
your average person isn't going to understand the, the distinction between the two directives. Even when it's emphasized in the text itself, they bypass that and just want to look at, oh, it has the date. Oh, prior knowledge. Oh, and they go they go to the most super, superficial sure. explanation. Especially thing. this day and age where everything's reduced down to the most fucking ridiculous conspiracy bullshit that you can imagine. I'm so that's disappointed. The old, that's the only reason why I, I haven't um, gone to the trouble myself to try and you know, it would take me a whole lot longer to type out than it takes a million. But like my motivation for doing it when I know the way that people are is kind of, you know, I'm like, well, I like to share about it. I like to tell people about it because it gives me the opportunity to qualify a lot of points. But when I just put the text plain out there, because there's two sections to it. And the first section reads more like propaganda when it says Israel will act mightily or whatever. Second section doesn't speak so highly of Israel. You know, it's relating to the idea of Israel worshiping another name, which is what I was speaking to earlier with, like, you know, Tet and Raish with the sun and Leo, you know, it's like with lust or whatever, you know. And so, yeah, I mean, it's interesting, Alan, like our, one of our last conversations, maybe it was our last conversation where we got into on the yeah, city, yeah, yeah. That I heard Heliopolis that. and all that. <laughs> oh, my God, that has been one of the most impactful things. I've discussed it twice with Baruch since we've had that conversation. And something I thought you'd find interesting is that Baruch's response to it was, oh, Heliopolis, did you, he's like, that was a point of controversy uh, uh, amongst, um, you know, Jewish mystics or whatever, because there's this, um, there's this issue with that city uh, uh, being the home of a synagogue of Jews who were supposed to basically be practicing Egyptian mysticism, oh. incorporating, uh, incorporating Egyptian mysticism into their school. And so my question here is, is that raw? Is, is on the, the, the um, you know, because I mean, definition is strength, but then it's also idolatry and uh, wealth. And it's like, the, and so when Crowley renamed strength lust my interpretation it's like go to at this point i'm just like that's the distinction that he's speaking to he's saying what is this strength that the empire is relating to and at least with crowley it's fucking honest say what you will but it's an honest appraisal of what we're dealing with and those manipulations are our own inclinations he's just articulating it you know on sorry on yeah the gematria of on is 707 the gematria of oz is 77 Two words for strength, one idolatrous, the other one, the name of, of the pillars themselves is Yaakin and Boaz. So, yeah, what is it? What is the strength of the kingdom? And so if our strength is a substitute strength, then we get the repercussions of that. And so that's what I was speaking to earlier with the Saudi star issue and how that relates to everything we're dealing with now as Donald Trump, because everyone... Not everyone, but there's this there's this inherent sense that this this troubadour, this stranger who's supposed to come along, who's supposed to meet these qualifications, is going to turn the whole kingdom on its head and do this whole perform this whole ritual. And what we get is just like the 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 uh, a, a genuine fool, which is what it's supposed to be. But there's a bastardization because of our own inclinations and orientations towards the left that we, we, we don't get the highest version of that that we would hope for because they murder those people. And, uh, you know, if, if they don't get murdered and they were able to squeeze through the cracks, then they're probably pretty similar to one of the, the corruption that already existed. So you can't place corruption with corruption and then call that the Jubilee, you know? <laughs> it's like, 
doesn't work that way. Yeah, uh, can I can I ask one question? If you if you have a thought on, so you said like, uh, and and you know this ties into both of our research with uh, Golden Bow, and you guys know my, you're both very familiar with my stance on like the whole Suicide King, uh, you know, Lion King, Tiger King, all of that sort of shit, right? Yeah. But so I, I'm like I'm I'm right there with you when you say like the substitution of strength, but how would you then respond to like we were talking about Jeff Wives at home and uh, Radon Chong's role essentially of saying, hey, you have this specific vision and what you're really looking for is this. So like uh, what I guess what I want you to speak to is the distinction between a improper substitution of strength versus a perhaps quote unquote proper substitution. Um, well, I would I would go more towards Jeff because Jeff incorporates the hay, so he's he's actually like his that receptivity of what hay speaks to as the window because it's when the when the empress looks to the emperor and he's the window she's on the other side of the emperor is the hierophant so she's she's getting the what through the emperor she gets to receive the information from the higher self the hierophant and so how is Jeff the window. He's the window in the sense that he's receptive. He's uh, open. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. He's, yeah. that, that openness is what we want in the ruler. And no one would see him as the ruler. He's the piss on. But he's really the one leading it because he's in touch with what's really leading him and leading us. So it's like people are relating to things all through that movie in this conceptual way of their their own hopes and their own fears and their own dreams or whatever. And he's like, what happens if I put myself out of the way? And I'm just like open, just purely open. What what is going to come through? And then when he's called to action, he's able to act in the in the most intuitive way because he has that openness. And all these people closed off don't don't see the magic. You know, they don't see what's actually going on in in front of them or even what's possible. And so and that's kind of reflected in in Susan Saran and Ray Don Chong's. Uh, exchange is this kind of this allowance for an openness of possibility that she's projecting what she what she thinks she needs in order to fulfill whatever desire she you know that she wants to fulfill but like you know that's that's it's a it's a it's a pure sexuality that exists there with her because it's not it doesn't become about the external it's her inside of herself and that's what Ray Don Chong recognized and wanted her to see was that, you know, at any time you can you can have this thing that you're that you're looking to have a, an external allowance for when really it's all here in the midst. And that's that's what I take from the main water theme. That's the that's the real baptism is that uh, that a, allowance to be flooded with something without having to look to the external to provide that. And this kind of like mindset that we've been in that is so focused on the most external as being the most significant is actually completely backwards, or at least of what's what's being revealed now um, is a lot of the things that we're attached to are essentially useless and that that's okay. You know, you can you, you, you can push things so far, but when you have a makeshift reality that you're propping up at a certain point, it becomes liberating to let go of that attachment, you know. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, my my own personal answer to that would be similar in the sense of like the purity of like the distinction between, say, like a like a Trump or or any other 
as you say, you're relating to it through an emperor of control of like, oh, I can be the strength, right? I can take control. Um, I alone. Yeah. uh, That's the substitute, the substitution of strength versus the substitution of uh, sort of mercy of like, hey, you, um, the, the, and use the purity of like intention. Uh, I want to make this woman happy. I want to fulfill the dream that you have of being loved and nurtured and all this sort of stuff versus, hey, I can rule you. <laughs> right. So, oh, um, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is that they actually, the word itself of on, remember, it was related to not just of sexual force. But the connotation is not simply that that's what sex is, like as da'at in and of itself, which is knowledge. It's something else. It's the idea of, of conquest, of conquering. And that, that is a wrong, uh, what one could call a wrong relationship itself, you know. Maybe I'm curious if you have an opinion on that sort of like ideas of just, you know, substitution and just well, distinctions i'm, I'm just curious thought about, um, about the mem and the susan sarandon's character with Don chong and um i'm just thinking about the waterfall I've, i haven't seen jeff who lives at home on its own either but it's kind of, i mean I, I i see her looking at this waterfall and yeah i think you said she was like dreaming about being with a guy under a waterfall or something yeah but 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 um, I mean, water in Judaism is feminine. It's very feminine. So um, it's almost like she, it's almost like she was longing for. Uh, I mean, the, yeah, the water, the the fire alarm, all that stuff. It's like she was, she was drawn towards that, even if she didn't realize that it was coming. It was like always there. Yeah, in, in the Saudi star switch, you end up with uh, Aquarius as the star next to the Empress. And so where she would normally be looking at the Emperor who would be facing her, and there's a whole school around that, around, um, I don't know if school's the operative, but there's this whole idea of the Saudi being two faces that have been brought to look away from each other that need to look at each other again, if I recall correctly. Um, and so when she's looking towards what would be the emperor, she's actually looking at the star who's facing away from her. And so I think the idea is, is that, you know, if you try and restrict the flow, it's going to find a way because it's what's really, even as much as we can constrain it, it's still what's in charge because we're all relying on it. You can't, you, you rely on your own foundation. And if you deny your foundation, then things will be destructive, but Nature has a way of setting itself right, and the organizing principles of nature are far beyond all of our goings-on, you know, who's really in control here, you know. 